Sunday Dispatch. You're listening to the Sunday Dispatch on FBI Radio 94.5. My name's Lindsay Riley. Each episode, we take a closer look at news stories from around the world and at home, their social, political complexities, and examine the way that they're covered in mainstream media. This week, we are joined by Kamal Fidel. Kamal is the Australian and New Zealand representative for Polisario, who are the national liberation movement of the people of Western Sahara. Kamal, thank you for joining us this morning on the Sunday Dispatch. Thank you very much for having me. Western Sahara is a story of both colonialism and exploitation, but also equally and most importantly, a story of resistance. So I thought we'd start today by going back, way back into the 70s, in the period of decolonization, where many African countries won their freedom of national liberation, self-determination, many in different ways, to different extents. Kamal, what happened instead in Western Sahara? What was the resistance and how deep is the impact on its situation today? Well, uh, Western Sahara was uh, unfortunately the exception to the rule uh, of uh, decolonization in Africa. Uh, It remains uh, the last African colony uh, because uh, in 1975, uh, despite the uh, struggle uh, conducted by the people of Western Sahara and the wishes of the people, the colonial power, Spain, uh, decided to hand over the territory to uh, two neighboring countries, Morocco and Mauritania. Uh, we know that the Sahara was included in the United Nations list of non-self-governing territories entitled to the decolonization uh, process and to the uh, uh, exercise of uh, uh, self-determination in 1963. Uh, and in 1965, the General Assembly of the United Nations uh, issued its first uh, resolution uh, calling on Spain to start the process of decolonization um, and within the territory itself, the people of West Sahara have been, uh, you know, organizing themselves uh, and demanding uh, independence uh, from uh, Spain. Uh, Polisario, the liberation movement, was established in 1973, um, and uh, it started putting pressure on Spain. Spain promised the referendum in 1974, uh, but because uh, of pressure from neighboring countries uh, and also because of pressure from the United States and France, uh, Spain, uh, instead of giving, you know, organizing the referendum of self-determination and giving the people of the Sahara a chance to self-determination and independence, uh, it's just uh, betrayed us and handed over the territory, divided it between Morocco and Mauritania. The uniqueness of Western Sahara is pretty profound, you know, across the whole African continent, all of those other countries winning their, you know, decolonization. I think it's definitely worth recognizing, you know, that despite decolonization happening across the continent, many, if not most of those countries, you know, still suffer from what you know, most people term some sort of neo-colonial rule, 
you know, where their social, political, economic systems are not able to fully develop due to, you know, exploitation from other countries in the West or, you know, um, sorts of control like that. But obviously Western Sahara still being a formal colony um, in Africa is in quite a unique position. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering um, Kamal, what is it like living in Western Sahara today? Yeah, uh, we, we had uh, to um, face um, war from 1975, uh, uh, which um, until 1991, um, which uh, caused thousands of Sahrawis to flee the territory uh, and to seek refuge, refuge uh, in uh, uh, southwest of Algeria. Uh, the people who remained in the occupied territories faced disappearances, pressure, uh, oppression, uh, and uh, yeah, they they, uh, they they do not have any rights to uh, be able to express themselves, or, or uh, anyone who is uh, suspected of sympathy to the liberation movement is put in jail. Uh, so the, the occupied areas is like a, a big prison. So the war with Mauritania lasted only uh, until 1979, uh, when uh, uh, Mauritania signed a peace treaty with uh, the, the liberation movement Polisario and uh, recognized the Sahara Republic, which we declared and withdraw from the part it occupied, but Morocco moved in and occupied that part. Polisario still also controls about a third of the territory as liberated areas where we, we have our military bases and we have the number of nomads living in the area. You know, United Nations came in 1991 with a settlement plan and they promised to organize the referendum and sent a mission to the territory called Minoso, but it failed to organize the referendum. And in fact, uh, in November uh, 2020, war resumed again. So we have a, a terrible situation now of a situation of war, resumption of hostilities, and the oppression continues in the occupied areas where hardly any independent observers or NGOs or human rights organizations could visit um, because Morocco does not allow media or independent observers to, to come into the territory. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not a good situation, I must say, but the determination uh, of the Sahrawis is still very strong uh, to continue their struggle, their liberation, struggle uh, until they achieve uh, full independence and sovereignty. Saharian people's right to self-determination is supported by more than 100 United Nations resolutions. It's also supported by the International Court of Justice as well. But Morocco has continued its colonial occupation with pretty much impunity since the 70s. Two key allies for Morocco have been Spain, on, Spain and France. They themselves have exerted influence over the EU about how Europe deals with Morocco and Western Sahara. Kamal, why do both of these countries continue to support Morocco's occupation and excuse the atrocities that they commit in that region? Well, it's, 
self-interest, uh, it, it's because also Morocco puts pressure on particularly Spain uh, and uses blackmail uh, against Spain using migration, drug trafficking, and does not recognize Spanish maritime uh, boundaries around the Canary Islands. So Morocco has uh, some cards to use against Spain. Uh, France still considers Morocco to be uh, its sphere of influence because it was the colonial power in Morocco before. And uh, many uh, French politicians also get uh, bribed by Morocco. So this uh, allowing Morocco to get away with this has created a very dangerous precedent in international relations that a country could use force to obtain territory, uh, which is against UN Charter. So um, I think uh, Spain's and France's positions cannot be justified because they claim to be uh, you know, defending international law, uh, and uh, a rule-based international order. Uh, but in this case, they are siding with the aggressor. Morocco is also ruled by a regime that is not democratic. Uh, it's an absolute monarchy. It's a system similar to the Middle Ages where the king rules uh, and uh, owns the economy of the of Morocco and him and his family uh, and uh, abuses human rights. So uh, it's not a, a good thing to be doing by these uh, Western countries who should be defending, as they say, democracy and uh, international legality and international law. Another aspect that's worth mentioning, I think, is the economic dimension. Um, Western Sahara and Morocco, that, that region, contains or amounts to about 72% of the entire phosphate reserves in the world. Phosphates, along with nitrogen um, making synthetic fertilizer, is a real key element in modern food production and industrial agriculture. Um, and, you know, fi uh, phosphates being a finite reserve gives Morocco quite a tight grip over that sort of world agricultural business and production system. So I'm wondering how much of this is an impact or is a factor perhaps into Morocco's desire to continue to occupy Western Sahara. Do you think this is a kind of critical foundation for that? Yeah, uh, interesting question. And um, this is uh, Western Sahara, I have to say, is, uh, is, is, a, is a big territory, is the size of Great Britain. It's very rich in mineral resources and fisheries. So not only phosphates, but there are also, there is agriculture, gold, iron ore, great potential for oil and gas, and a very rich long coast of uh, around 1,500 kilometers, renowned internationally for the quality and the quantity of fisheries in it. And that's why the European Union is very interested in Western Sahara because of the fisheries. So 
uh, one of the factors that led Morocco to invade and occupy Western Sahara is because of its resources and its size and its strategic position. International business and companies who got involved with Morocco, uh, they are involved in a, a theft of resources. Uh, plunder. Um, they are stealing uh, our resources without any benefit of, of, for the local population or the Sahrawi refugees. It is illegal in international law to uh, exploit uh, the resources of non-self-governing territory. All the resources, uh, the, the benefits from the resources would go to the Moroccan treasury and would be used uh, to buy weapons or to benefit the, the, the paramilitary forces in Western Sahara, or the settlers in Western Sahara, which Morocco brought in. Uh, the Saharawis live as like second citizens in their own country. Infrastructure that benefits them is, is not there. For example, there is no single university in Western Sahara, hardly any good hospitals. Anyone who needs medical treatment would have to travel hundreds of kilometers to Morocco or fly overseas. Uh, roads are terrible, uh, no good housing, uh, and uh, yeah, many Sahrawis, indigenous Sahrawis live in poverty. Uh, so it is benefiting the Moroccan treasury and benefiting the companies that are involved in uh, the plunder. We've been chatting to Kamal Fadel member of Polisario, National Liberation Movement of the People of Western Sahara. He's the Australian and New Zealand representative for them. Kamal, thank you so much for joining us this morning on the Sunday Dispatch to chat about the struggle of the Western Sahara people. Where can listeners perhaps keep up to date with what's happening, lend their support to the people? Where's the best place to go? Well, we have a solidarity group in in in, in Australia called the, the Australia Western Sahara Association. And they have a, a website, which is www.awsa.org.au. And they, um, yeah, they, they organize events and, uh, you know, send newsletters mm. and uh, advocate for the right of the Sahara people to self-determination. Uh, and uh, yeah, it would be great if people could join the association and uh, check out its website for news, things like that. Fantastic. We'll put some links up on the program's page at fbiradio.com. Kamal, thank you so much again for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.